So Jesus' commentary on the Ten Commandments, not necessarily all of them, but this in the Sermon on the Mount, what we find when Jesus says, you've heard it said, do not murder. What Jesus is telling us is, do not murder is not a choice one makes. It's not the first choice one makes. Like You don't often come into situations where the decision to, of whether or not you're going to murder someone is the first decision you made up until that, up until that point. Right? You've made choices about anger and about hatred and about rape. Like you've made choices about whether to forgive or whether to be kind. Like you've made a lot of choices up to do not murder. The decision to murder or not is the end of a long road of a path. Sure, there are times of immediate rage, and those have been documented in the, in the courts. But for the most part, Jesus is telling us, you've heard it said, do not murder. I tell you, whoever is angry with his brother. And the same is to be said here. Do not commit adultery. Jesus says, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery, but I tell you, whoever lusts, after another is guilty of adultery in their heart. He goes on to use such uh, gruesome and hyperbolic terms as gouge out one's eye. Now, this is, this is interesting. Because the way we read that is pretty violent. But the way Jesus meant it, was that, that probably got a laugh out of the room. The way Jesus, it, two, things, two things were funny in Jesus' day. Puns. Yes, some of you dads. I knew I was Hebraic funny. And, some, and hyperbole. So when Jesus says things like, it is more difficult for a man to, or it's more difficult for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, and he uses camel needle, which is kamal gamal, but also uses hyperbole. This was their sensibility. This was their sense of humor. Now, he's making an incredible, incredibly powerful point, but he's using lightheartedness at times to do it, or at least the way they understood a, a lighthearted approach. You know, have you ever been yelled at? Does it work? Unless you're a coach and you need to run faster. We had a kid on my, uh, on my basketball team growing up. He was a year behind me. His name was JJ. That's his real name. That's how I roll. He was awesome. Could shoot the lights out. He was probably 6'3". Uh, but slow as Christmas. And our coach always thought... J.J. doesn't hustle. And he would always yell at J.J. And he would say, Reese, hustle. You need to hustle. You're lazy. You're not hustling. And then one day in a game, we'd never seen this in practice, Reese ran at about this pace and just went up and dunked it in a game, which is hard to do. And we got in the locker room and our coach goes, 
Reese, it hit me. You're not lazy. You're just slow. <laughs> and he said, yeah, coach. And he goes, I am so sorry that I've been yelling at you to be, because you're lazy. And yelling can't help slow, can it? <laughs> we have a tendency to sometimes hear Jesus, especially in this hyperbolic language, as this, like this angry, like, cut off your arm, or gouge out your eye, or uh, this uh, camels and eyes. But there is, there is a smile in Jesus' voice. And you can hear it through puns, through hyperbole, through their sense, uh, their, their sense of humor at the time. But I, what I want you to hear in Jesus' voice whenever he says, when he says, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery, but I tell you, whoever lusts after a woman, whoever lusts after a woman has committed adultery in his heart. It's a very serious thing he's saying. But he believes you can do it. And he believes you will. That the kingdom of God, that the kingdom of priests is affected by how the men view the women. That the kingdom of God is affected by how the men see the women. Because this is a primarily male-to-female discussion Jesus is having in this time. And it's different than the way we see women or way we might understand Jesus talking about this. Like these women were objectified not just as beauty, but as a commodity back then. So lusting after a woman, wanting them to be yours, wanting them, wanting to do with what you will with them, they were. He's asking us to see women a certain way. The kingdom of God thrives when the men see the women in a healthy way. And man, this was pounded into me as a child, you know, as a young boy. They used to split us up, right? They would say, all right, this is the boys class and we're going to have a, a teen girls class and they would go to the boys and they would say you guys are the worst and they would go to the girls and they would say those guys are the worst and we would talk about it was all this like attraction and and visual stuff and notice, they would get us together, and they wouldn't really talk about us gouging out our eyes. They would, were more concerned about the women covering up their shoulders. They wouldn't tell us to, 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 to not lust. They would mainly emphasize women don't be lustable. It's a new word. I've copyrighted it. But it was a sense of... Men are the leaders, but frankly, they can control themselves. What a horrible dichotomy. And they, they, they gave us books about this. 
books that said every man's battle is with this. I'm not going to name the book, but it, every man battles with this. And here's, the, here's what happens, they told us, in this book. Everybody read it and said, Here, here's the process. You notice a woman. You see that she's beautiful. You are tempted to lust, and you lust. And the point of the book was to say, if you get past notice she's beautiful, the rest is predestined. If you get past, so the, the cure was this. Notice a woman quit. That was it. That's all men, they, they called it bouncing your eyes. You see a woman, you stop. See this woman, oh, stop. And I read that book and just ate it up. Like, all right, this is, this is the goal. I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to not lust. I'm going to bounce my eyes. And so I went into the world. And you know, do you know there's a lot of women out there? If you get, start bouncing your eyes every time you see one, you'll get dizzy. Like, it is an almost impossibility. And the point, the goal would, was, do not even see them. And what, what it boils down to is that Whenever I don't, whenever it is my goal in life not to see somebody, because how do we make our women feel when we sum them up as just a temptation? How do we make our, our young girls feel whenever we're like, hey, listen, you, two things, you don't get to be in charge, but you're in charge. You're in charge of their actions. You're in charge of your actions. They can't help themselves. You're in control. And you're just going to have to accept that they're monsters. This is not a clear view of the world. It's a view that's based out of fear. It's a view that's based out of, out, out of just this urge to like have it perfect and, not, and, and to be pure. But purity outside of relationships is worthless. Let me tell you about Rachel. She's not here, so I'm going to tell you about her. Some of you have gotten to know Rachel. She's a, she is a quiet extrovert. Um, she likes to be around people. She's gregarious, but she's going to be quiet and, until she feels comfortable. She is hilarious. She is, uh, she's straightforward, um, unapologetically straightforward. She is um, smart. I, sometimes it feels like I read for a living and she reads about twice as fast as I do. And it's infuriating. To the point when she shows me something, when she's like, hey, look at this, read that. I start to panic that I'm, I'm like, you know, guys, you know how sometimes you get a birthday card and you're like, how long do I have to stare at this block of letters before it actually feels like I read it? 
Is that, are you, I'm the only one that does that? Just me and you? Okay. I do that sometimes just panicked because I'm not reading it fast enough. I'm like, oh, yeah, look at that. She's brilliant. Puts together things quickly. Um, spots, infuriatingly so, spots what's wrong with something like that. Like, can, like can, can walk into a room, open her eyes, and go, you have a black belt on with brown shoes. She doesn't just, and that she only does that to me. She's not doing that to the rest of you. She notices, but she's not saying it out loud. <laughs> you know, we, we talk about wanting to value women, and then we've got preachers all over the country telling us how hot their wives are. What a dumb thing to say from the pulpit. Don't you hear that? I've seen that video after video. I saw it in youth ministers. All Just shut up about that. That's nonsense. Because there's a difference between noticing somebody and truly seeing them as a human being. And, they're, they're like, and, and when, we, when we notice and we're decided, well, I can't look at that, I can't look at that, I can't look at that. Like, people are beautiful. You are beautiful. God created you and it, is, and it is beauty. The longing of my eyes is, is Rachel Neely. But the beauty of the world is not lost on me. The beauty of human, humanity is not lost on me. God did a good job. And you have heard it said, do not lust, so you must... Watch your eyes. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. But what, what really is the problem is that whenever Jesus says, you are supposed to see women as different than just objects of satisfaction for physical need. You're supposed to see them as more than that. And our reaction to Jesus' teaching is to not see them at all. Oh, notice, quit looking. I read a book recently that offered a, um, a separate path for every man's battle phases. You know, notice a woman, notice she's beautiful, tempted to lust, lust. They said, you can notice a woman. And then you can be, notice she's beautiful, or you can not think twice about it and go on about your day. You can notice she's beautiful. You can be tempted to lust, or you can not think twice about it. Every stage, you can just not be tempted to lust, and then not, and not think twice about it and go on about your day. But Rachel and I were talking about this because I, I needed her input from this and she said, there are, there are women who feel unseen in circles because men refuse to like, oh, I can't even look at you. She goes, and what does that say about me whenever a man can look at me? When an evangelical man can like stare me straight in the eyes, what does that say about me as a human? Like I know he's bouncing his eyes away from every woman he's, that's beautiful. What does that say about me then? 
She's like, I'm bounce worthy, you know? <laughs> but there's, we've created, still in that moment when we're saying, oh, well, I can't notice, can't notice, can't notice. We're still treating women like objects. Objects of temptation, objects of, instead of full human beings who have full participation in the kingdom of God. That's not, that's growing. That takes time. I have believed for two decades now that in the public worship, women should be able to do everything men can do. The preaching teachers and writers in my life who have had the most effect on me were Anna Carter Florence and Barbara Brown Taylor. Uh, Fred Craddock as well. But I learned to preach from women. Some of you are like, oh, that's what's wrong with him. <laughs> no, I learned to preach. The, the, Anna Carter Florence has deeply impacted me as a human being. So I've thought for years, thought for years that, that women should be able to do everything men can do. And I'm so thankful that saying that out loud from a pulpit's not going to get me fired today. But I've been in churches where that, that now they knew that about me because I wasn't about to have something surprise them. They would say in interviews, hey, do you have anything you want to add? And I would say, yeah, I, uh, y'all didn't ask me about women's role. And I need you to know I believe this because I don't want you to hire me and then find out later. Because then I have to move. And so, but I believe that. And then we came here. This was the first church where I regularly, where I regularly saw women participate. Where I was involved in it. I was the part of it. I just, like I'd seen it and I'll tell you, the first time, I was like, oh, this, there's something deep in my core going, no, 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 no. You know how these things were just embedded in you as a child? But the next Sunday, it was gone. Because you know what? In every other aspect of our life, we don't go, you know, only men can be bank tellers. In every other aspect of our life, women are free to serve or to do what they please for the most part. That's what we're used to. And I came up with a horrible analogy with it for it, but I haven't come up with a better one. It's like if you grew up going to a church where they only wore bathrobes. Like that was day one, your VBS was bathrobes. And you, you had a bathrobe on and you, that's, that's where you were, that's how it happened when you worshiped God. And then you decided that you, you went to change churches and at that church they didn't wear bathrobes. You're like, what? That's, that's. I mean, I, for a long time I thought we shouldn't have to wear one, but... We still did. 
And then you go to a church without it and you realize, you're like, ah, this is not comfortable for me. I am used to a certain thing. And then the next, but then you realize, the next Sunday you realize, oh, I, this is how the rest of my life is. Unbathrobed. I don't get the mail in my bathrobe because then you look like a crazy person. I don't like go outside, like it would just be strange. I told you, it's a horrible analogy. But we are used to women being important. We had women teachers. I've been in churches where women teachers could only teach up to sixth grade. Teachers who taught 12th graders in school. But when it came to Bible, no. As soon as those boys are baptized, you can't teach them anything. That's, that's, okay, maybe you laugh at that, but that is dead on true. That's the, that's what was believed or what was feared. When Jesus says, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery, which is a sin men were committing. But I tell you, do not commit lust. He's calling us to view women as rightful partners and in the community of God in the kingdom of priests. Not just some sort of subset like, all right, you're off there. And when, when he calls us to see women clearly as created, beautiful uh, people in relationship with God created beautiful partners in the kingdom of God. We're not seeing you as objects and we're also not refusing to see you because you're an object. See, I think we, were, I think we got up out of one ditch and sprinted to the other. Yeah, sure, you're as far away from your old actions, but that's, you're still in a ditch And men, you may not know this is a problem, but I think every woman in the room knows it's hard to be seen sometimes. And the kingdom of God declares that men are to gouge out their eyes before they objectify women. And sometimes those eyes are the ones that are lusting after a woman and sometimes it's the eyes that are refusing to see people because you just, you're just not something I look at. Your full humanity can be seen in the kingdom of God. Your full purpose, your full gifts can be demonstrated in the kingdom of God. This is a goal, just like all sermons. This is what we hope to achieve, what we hope to accomplish, but it's not always what we're going to achieve and what we're going to accomplish. But we will listen. We will hear what you have to say. And forgive us 
when our old instincts kick in. That's not the purpose. That's not what we want. But you know how that feels, right? As a Christian where you're like, the way I used to do things just sort of sneaks up on me. We once had a lady give announcements at a previous church. And she came up to me and she said, hey, can I, before the prayer, because that's when it's scriptural, uh, can I before 10 o'clock, which is just so funny to me, but we'll move on. Because, you know, God is like, uh, now no women, you know. Uh, but we, she got up and she, because she was doing, she was, she was running VBS, getting volunteers. She, she said, either I'm going to give the announcements or I'm going to correct the man who gives the announcements from the pews. And I, she said, I'll do it before worship. And I said, yeah, just let uh, that elder know he, he's the one who'll be fine with it. So she went, she told him, she came up, she said, hey, um, VBS, hey, VBS, look at me, we're children's ministry, does it count? Um, and then she got down. People were livid, is what I was told. But you know what people mean sometimes, it just means my mama and my, in- and my mother-in-law. That's just what it was. I've tracked them down, talked to them. Five women. Not a single man among them. Men didn't care. If I get up and talk, she's going to make me do VBS. Five women. So men, the women in our lives are partners in the kingdom of God. They are not objects over which to lust, they are not objects from which we must bounce our eyes. They are worthy of being fully seen. And women, in the kingdom of God, sometimes your upbringing has to, like you, you have to be, be trained to remember that you are worthy of being fully seen. And I am so sorry. But here we are, and in the name of Jesus, we'll move forward, step by step, fully seeing each other in the the glory of the way God intended it, in in, in the beauty of the way God designed it. Adultery and lust, there's a bunch of decisions that move up to that. And when you get to the place of just the, the first step is deciding whether or not I'm going to truly see someone fully as human or are they an object of temptation and that's all they are. The, the, the trick to adultery, the, the, the trick to adultery, goodness, Benjamin, edit that clip. Is this live? Uh, oh, goodness. The, the trick to overcoming lust is not is is not ignoring women but it's actually truly fully seeing them 
It's not bouncing your eyes. But it's with the eyes of the kingdom of God, looking, noticing, and loving. Let's pray together. God, in our hearts, there are large shifts that need to be made. And we give those to you. Uh, we, we can't, we cannot do this on our own. At the times I and all of us have fallen back on our upbringing, falling, fallen back on old ways, old paths, old things we've learned. God, that, those can do damage to our relationships, to the kingdom. So we need your rule. We need your power within us and within our community. God, help us not to be defensive when we are held accountable. Help us to be thoughtful when we are challenged. And give us grace when we fail. We want to be your people. Men, women alike, we want to be your people. So help us see people through the eyes of your love and your grace. Rule over us and change us. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.